I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' great name, in Jesus' great name. Everybody said praise the Lord. Okay, if you have a Bible this morning, look at God's Word. All right, I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 6 this morning. It is here that we begin to get a little insight, thank you, a little insight into uh, some things that are going to come upon the earth. Of course, anytime you hit Revelation, you can pretty much figure on that. But Revelation chapter 6 starts off at verse 1, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, or one of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword or a great weapon. I'd like to work this morning simply on the peace of God, which passeth all understanding peace of God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. As you read your Bible and you go over chapter and verse and subject matter and you draw nigh the things of God, and of course in reading His Word you're going to learn of Him. You're going to learn things that you can't otherwise learn. But again, there are things that we read over, things that we just kind of go right on by, maybe take it for granted a little bit, or ho-hum, or there are things that maybe we want to, I'm saying, pay a little more attention to, things that we need to realize are of great significance and great importance. God help us to appreciate what we have. God grant us that in prayer that we would ask God to help us not to take things for granted, not to just act like we'll always have it, 
will always be ready, ready at hand and accessible. The Bible does talk about us having access to certain things through Jesus Christ. The great eternal spirit, our God is a spirit. John 4 and 24 tells you that very plainly. And him providing for us what he did by speaking the word, just as he provided the sun, the moon, the stars, and the seas, the oceans, the air we breathe, and many other such like things. He did that by speaking the word. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And this same spirit, this same one God, he did speak the word, and he provided the flesh so that the word that was God and is God would be made flesh and dwelt among us. The flesh did not come from heaven, but the flesh came from the spoken word of God through an obedient vessel by the name of Mary, and she brought forth that flesh, that child, and in so doing, then it became the mediator, that flesh, the Bible said, became the mediator between God and men, known as the man, Christ Jesus. So we're very blessed to have that knowledge and to have that insight. There are a lot of people that do not. They do not have the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. They don't have that. And somehow or another, they get extremely mixed up, and they, uh, they think there's two and three persons. They think there's two and three gods. When your Bible teaches from beginning to end that there's one God, and that's important. That's super important. To get a hold of that revelation, to understand that spirit was in flesh, as it is written, to wit or sense God was in Christ. That means spirit was in flesh. Again, very, very important that you Ask God to open your understanding to that biblical teaching and that you do not get confused or mixed up when you read certain terms. The word in the Bible, and, A-N-D, it's a connector, okay? It connects things. For an example, Romans 14 and 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not separating the joy from righteousness of God as peace. It's connecting it. It's connecting it. And so when people read that God who is our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, people start thinking there's three. And that's where you come back to that natural mind 
and thinking naturally. And they think that God is an old man with a long white beard, you know, and that he's stooped over. Maybe he has scoliosis, and he's dragging around the corridors of heaven. And then all of a sudden, there shows up a younger man, and that's the second one. And then there's a bird flapping around, and that's the third one. And people, it, it sounds foolishness to you and I, as it should, because we have the revelation or we have the light. God has enabled us. God has enabled us. He's given that to us. He's given us that understanding. You know what? With that understanding, the mighty God in Christ, the Spirit in flesh, the Word made flesh. God manifest or clearly shown in the flesh. That we have that revelation. We have that insight because God gave it to us. God gave it to us. And therein lies a marvelous thing. That He shed light even as His Spirit moved upon the face of the deep where there was darkness. God being light, and he spoke the word, and he said, let there be light, and there was light. And so God does that to our minds, our hearts. He gives us light. I want you to remember that what I've read to you in Revelation is telling you in our teaching today that we have something and that we ought not to think that it's always going to be here that easily. In Mark chapter 4, I want to read to you how my life was. The picture of my life. See if it draws a picture of your life. Mark chapter 4, and verse, you know, it's always where to start, right? It's all so good. But let us take verse 35. And the same day when the even or the evening time was come, he, Jesus, saith unto them, his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. That means it was full of water. And he was in the hinder part or the back part of the ship asleep. You see, the Word was made flesh. He became a partaker of the same things that you and I partake of. We do get sleepy. And we do sleep. And... Uh, other such 
things that are common to us being human beings. So he also was a partaker of flesh and blood. And that's why he, being our high priest, he can be touched. I'm so glad God can be touched. The Bible said for you to feel after him. He's not far from any one of us. Isn't that great? Amen. He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses or our hurts. That's a great thing that God can be touched. Everybody said amen. He's aware of when you hurt. So listen now. He was asleep on the pillow, and they awake him. The disciples awakened him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I'm so glad, I'm really glad, that he does care and that he is very much aware even before I'm in it. He's aware of the storm and the storms of life. He arose, he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now that was a picture of my life. My life was filled with storm. Huge billowing waves, vehement wind that beat against the ship of my life. Everything was in a tremendous upheaval. Morning, Lily. I did that on purpose because she keeps being late, so I thought let her be aware that I'm aware. Too young to be late, right, church family? Here's all you old folks got up early and got here on time. Nobody old out there, is it? But uh, isn't it beautiful See if you can think about your life when you were unsaved, when you were lost, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and that you didn't have him, you didn't know him, you had not yet experienced the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It's beyond human Comprehension. That this takes divine revelation. This takes God turning the light on in our lives. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. I guess somebody missed the big sign out in the lobby that says, Turn your phone off. I laugh. I saw a big sign in a lobby, and it was probably about as big as that picture of uh, the United States back here that we have framed. And uh, 
it had a listing of all the different things that they offered in this building. And I thought, and I've told since Phil, by God's grace, when he brings us into the new building on his time, that uh, we're going to have to have a sign about that big on the, the do's and the do nots, you know. And just have it right there, big as all get out, you know, before you get in the sanctuary. Here's the rules, you know. So, uh, what can I say? Please turn off your phones <laughs> or put it on vibrate or something. And, uh, but I am saying that in the midst of this storm of our lives, before we had this experience, before we knew how to believe on Him, as the Scripture has said, and that we got witness to, we got preached to, somebody took the time to take a little time with us. Somebody had a burden to see people one to God, to see people come to the light, come out of darkness, to see God's Spirit move and dispel the darkness and the doubt and the fear and the unbelief and to bring the peace, the peace of God. You can't get the peace of God at the store. You can't get this online. I understand you can get a whole lot of different things online. And they'll even deliver it right to your door. We get a lot of church products that way. I should say seems spelled does. I just pick up the boxes and get them to the church house and deliver them to the faithful from there. But um, you can't get this peace of God online. You can't get this in a catalog. You can't get it at restaurant or mall or shops. Not at all. Not at all. This does not come from the earth. The Bible talks about things that are earthy, things that are terrestrial. Not at all. No, this is heavenly. This comes from God. When you get the instructions of life, you get the direction of believing. You repent of your sins. And everybody's got to do that. There's no way around it. There's no exceptions. That's the first thing people want to do is they're looking for an exception. That's no doubt why Jesus said, I'm the door. And I've seen people that they hate that. They don't want to come through the preacher. They absolutely want to get around them somehow, some way. And that's where a good church family that's in subjection and submission to God's plan and God's program will stand up for what's right and will help guide people to come in the proper direction. No matter how much they fall on the floor and kick and scream like a spoiled brat. And oh, they'll do it. 
And children are very smart. Did you ever notice that? Especially spoiled children. They'll wait till you're online right at the checkout where all the candy is. And suddenly they, they're grabbing every bit of candy all over the place. And they want this and they want that and they want the other. And you're like, no, no. And then they're, next thing you know, they're flopping on the floor like a fish. You know, and they're crying and screaming and hollering and making a fuss. And everybody's looking at you. <laughs> and you're feeling the heat rise. You're feeling somewhat embarrassed. Smart little booger that he waited right, or she waited right until, you know, checkout time. You'd be surprised the psychology that's built in in some people and what all they employ and how they know how to push your buttons. But, uh, you know, the church doesn't operate that way. The body of Christ does not operate that way. Because Jesus said, I'm the door. You try to climb up some other way, he basically showed you and tell, tell, told us there is no other way. Don't want to get to that moment to get that revelation. When my spirit is about to withdraw from my body and my body's going to just go back to the dust from whence it came. No time then to get the revelation. No time then to get the revelation. The Bible uses the word now. Today. Got to wake up now. We're living in the time called today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. God has given us space, time, and opportunity. This God who loves us, this God who wants to give us his peace, he wants to visit the storm or visit us in the storm of our life. It's written in Luke's account, for an example, that... Uh, there was foreknowledge, foresight. And that's a good thing, you know, to be able to see something before. You know, it's been said that hindsight is 2020. Well, right. You can look back on a thing and I should have done, I should have this. Okay. But sometimes those things can't be corrected. But you know what? Foresight sees it ahead of time. I better take care of this. I better take care of that. I better do that now, right now. Otherwise, we all know what's coming. It's called procrastination. It's a big word that just simply means putting it off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I, I'm going to do it. I've got people in this town that have told me for over 40 years, I'm coming, preach. Preach, I'm coming. They're still down on the canal bank fishing. Or they're still standing on the street corner, running their mouth. Got all the answers to all the problems in life to hear them tell it. And they'll be there until they give up their last breath. 
Well, there's going to be those that are going to be visited in their storm. Because there's going to be those that Luke said, that Jesus said, he that he recorded that Jesus said, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them. Let me show you who he's like. God wants to show you that kind of example. He wants you to see the person that wakes up. That person that awakes to righteousness. Seek ye first, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. You get that. He said, all that other stuff, that'll be added unto you. I'll take care of that. That's nothing. I'll take care of that. Get your priorities right. Get your priorities right. Just remember, he that dies with the most toys doesn't win. He just dies. He just dies. And upon his death, there's no more memory of anything good. There's no more desire for toys. There's no more wanting of the so-called finer things of life. Not in that torment, not in that pain, not in that misery, not in that fire, not in that brimstone. Oh, no. No. No, no, no. Very rich fellow. Oh, yeah. He got all his money came through. He fared sumptuously. Yeah. But then he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. He said, just please, that guy that was in church, ask him to dip his finger in water and come touch the end of my tongue, for I'm in torment here. I'm in torment. I'm tormented about my family because I don't want them to come here. Send somebody back. Tell them not to come here. I cry to send somebody from the church. Tell them not to come here. Believe me, if if people could be heard, first of all, if you could hear, you would go insane. That's the truth. The wailing and the screaming and the gnashing of teeth, you would go insane. One, one preacher that was, I'll say blessed, to be given a vision. Yes, he asked, and God granted it, and long before there was flat screens, long before there was surround sound, before those inventions, God gave this man a vision of hell, and he said it was like Screens all around him. Whole thing. It was so horrible and so terrible 
that he screamed, shut it off! Begged God to stop it. Subsequently, he had a nervous breakdown. But God was kind enough to bring him out of that healing. Prayers of the church, preachers. So bad. So bad. You know, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them, I'll show you to whom he's like. He's like that person that I came into their storm. And I said, peace. Be still. And all the waves died down. And all the wind stopped. The rain stopped. Became calm, a great calm. Early on, beginning days of being in the church, after I had repented, well, both of us had repented, and we both got baptized together in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And then we, I received the Holy Ghost first. I had already been called to preach. It's all new to me. I'm just flowing. And uh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And seems that Fell was pretty far along what you would call great with child. And so it, three months later, she received the Holy Ghost, one week after having the first child. And, uh, but there was a brother in the church. He, he worked downtown Miami, and so, so it so happened by the direction of God that I got a job on the same block as him, different business. He worked for American Express. I worked for the bank. I was lower than the janitor. I started at the bottom, <laughs> but I was glad to have the job. And he was kind enough, this brother, to... Uh, give me a ride to, to work every day, and we'd get on I-95 and go downtown. Depending on the traffic, it was about a 30-minute drive. And uh, take me home every day. And this one particular morning, as became my custom, I would get up and pray. We just lived in a little old apartment. So I'd just get down on the side of the bed, and I'd start to pray. And and uh, that was pretty much the end of Skeena Sister Feld's sleep. And uh, I, got, I got pretty cranked up that morning. And I remember her just going, wow. <laughs> As I grabbed whatever I grabbed and went out the door in answer to the honking of the horn and headed out to work. But, you know, it was all, it was all new to me. And I kept having a new song, because all the songs were new to me. And uh, you know, the, the, it was funny because the songs, the kids didn't always catch the words right away. And uh, 
one time one of the children asked, Mommy, why are you going to beat us in the morning? And, of course, the song was, I'll meet you in the morning. And they thought it was, I'll beat you in the morning. <laughs> and then there was, you know, olive oil when it was, I'll live on. It sounded like olive oil. So, you know, it was, all the songs were new. And uh, gradually, once you discerned what the words were, and, uh, you know, you got it straight. But it took a little while. You had to get accustomed, which was funny because, you know, we could listen to loud, screaming, crazy idiots full of drugs, and you understood those words. But somehow you go to church and <laughs> couldn't get that one right, you know. But eventually we did. Eventually we did. And it was this song kept coming to me as I got up from prayer that morning and headed out to work. And it said there'll be peace in the midst of the storm. All day long, pounding away at me, all morning long. Just And I didn't understand. And, and I just, I didn't fight it. I didn't resist it. But I just kept hearing it over and over and over again. There'll be peace in the midst of the storm. And uh, sure enough, that was the day that I got fired. Yeah, I got fired. Told me to go upstairs and to HR. And so I did. Gave me this big long speech talking to me and I didn't know what in the world that woman was talking about. But it all boiled down to you have to come back at the end of the day, and we'll give you your check. Ding, 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 ding. Then the light went on, you know, and I said, oh, oh, okay, okay. So automatically I'm thinking, I'm going next door to the park, and I'm going to witness to people, because that's what I did on lunch every day. So I just figured, well, boy, I got all this time. I'll go have me a big time. And uh, I remember I looked at the lady. I said, okay. And I went out the door, and I went next, went across the street, Biscayne Bay, Bayfront Park, and a witness to people. End of the day, I came back, went upstairs, and uh, collected my check. And I started to go, and I turned around, and I said to the lady, I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, why am I being fired, by the way? I just kind of curious. So she gave me some fancy explanation, and I said, oh, okay. I found out that God had other intentions for me, church family. Um, they determined that I was $3,600 short. I forgot to tell you, after a while I got promoted. By then I was a teller. <laughs> and uh, every day at the end of the day, you know, you got a balance. And uh, this, I didn't even know it, but that particular day, I didn't balance. And I'd already got in the car and gone home with my ride and Come in the next day, and I told you what took place, and found my boss in tears and all upset. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, you have a wife, and you have a baby. And I said, yeah. I said, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. Said, Everything's good. She's just boo-hooing and crying. But see, she didn't have, she didn't have that peace. She didn't have that peace that passes 
all understanding. She didn't know what it was like to be visited by him in the storm of your life and him just speak the word and calm everything down. A great calm. She had never experienced that. Whereas now I had. And God knew. By the way, they found the $3,600. <laughs> so they determined that I must have taken it, got scared, and put it back. Oh, the way people think, you know. Worldly people, sinful people. I've often said that because people think a certain way, they think everybody thinks that way. Not so. Not Holy Ghost people. Holy Ghost people don't think that. Holy Ghost people don't act like that. Holy Ghost people don't talk like that. Because we've had a change. We've heard what he's had to say, his word. And we've dug deep. We built our foundation on the rock. And who is a rock like unto our God? So that when Jesus described the same storm that came against that house that was built upon the rock, that same storm that came upon and against that house that was built on the sand, which typified those, Jesus said, that hear my sayings, but don't do them. They don't obey my word. What is so difficult, really, about repenting, about telling God that you're sorry and making a change with his help? Please tell me what can be so difficult about putting on a baptismal gown and getting in the water and being baptized in the name that is above every name the name of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you from the Bible. That's where we go to. The Word of God. Acts this morning. Acts chapter 10. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple. No, I want the next chapter. I'm sorry. 10 and 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace. Everybody said peace. By Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 48 and he commanded. Oh, who's he to tell me? Well, see, you see, that's the attitude of the ones that are trying to build on without a foundation on the sand. They hear, but they don't do. But Jesus said, He that heareth my sayings and doeth them. Now his house is going to stand. When that storm comes, his house is going to stand. You see, it's one thing to be saved, church family. 
one thing to be pulled out of the fire. It's one thing to have victory over things. That you just don't care about those old things anymore. You've repented of those things. You don't want those things anymore. You don't desire those things anymore. You don't have an appetite for those things anymore. Now you desire the things you follow, the Bible said, after the things that make for peace. That's what you follow after. That's what your Bible says. You're told to follow after those things. You're told to seek peace. That's qualified as the peace of God. Because you can't get this just anywhere. Remember that. You've got to come through him who is the door. And from then on, repenting, being baptized in Jesus' name, commanded them, verse 48 of Acts 10, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And he just told you in verse 36 that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Not of some, but of all. What's so difficult about that? One man riding around in his chariot. What are we up to, 32s? He had a big old 32s. He sit, took a stepladder to get in his chariot. He had his, he had his amplifier, speakers. I see these guys that have motorcycles and they've got that. I have to really crank my little old thing up. I'm not going to let them play their music louder than me if I can help it. I'm going to at least try. And uh, I, got, I was in Seniors Feld's car not too long ago, and I pulled in to get gas, and, and I, had, I had it up. I can't remember what gospel song it was, but I had it going. And uh, I purposely left the window down. I got out, and there was a guy right next to me on the pump. Had the same car just a different color, and he, you know, said something to me, friendly guy, I guess, I was hoping he's from Belgrade, and uh, we passed a pleasant word, I kept my music thumping, I kept my music going, I wanted him to hear, friend, wound up, I got to witness to him, and I gave him a card, and, uh, and he was very familiar with Belgrade, you know, we want to, we want to invite people into our chariot. Isn't that what happened? We want to be willing to get up into the chariot, go out of our way a little bit, and uh individual was reading the Bible, no less. Reading from Isaiah 53. Now, you go read Isaiah 53, and you'll probably weep some. And, uh, but in reading it, you won't read about water baptism. But this preacher, this evangelist, Philip, he picked right up Isaiah 53 because the man said, Philip said to him, said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? That's right. How can I? I need some guidance here. I need some help. I need some light. 
Help, help a brother. Help me out here. While you're at it, help a sister. Help everybody. <laughs> no exceptions. Everybody needs divine help. Everybody needs divine help. So he started right there where he was reading in the Bible. Isaiah 53. Answered the question, whom spake this the prophet? He speak of himself or of another? Well, that was the opening, all the opening the preacher needed right there. And he went to work. And the next thing you know, this guy in the chariot says, See, here's water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Well, there's a good question you might want to ask yourself. Just what is it that's hindering you that you have not yet been baptized in water? As one man said, here is much water. That's why we're baptizing here, because there's much water here. See, here's water. What does hinder me? Well, you might want to answer that question. What's hindering you? What's stopping you? What's tripping you up? What's causing you to be distracted and to procrastinate? You could put off and put off and put off until you put off. Hebrews teaches that we have a heavenly opportunity. We have a real chance here to make heaven our home. We have a real chance to make it. Ask yourself, what's all the fuss about? all the fuss about. Anything the devil can do to create storms. There's going to be an unleashing church family. That white horse and him that had the bow went forth conquering to conquer. That's your antichrist. Probably coming right out of the land of Nimrod. Driven by the enemy. Satan knows he's mad. He knows he's only got a short time. He's already doomed. He knows what his future is. But you know, he, uh, it's been, he's been described as being a sly old fox. He's a slithering, slippery serpent. But he's also called an angel of light. Oh, he has a way of just getting up next to you and just talking so nice. Smooth words, the Bible said, fair speeches that deceive the hearts of the simple. You don't need to be simple. <laughs> 
You're called to be wise. You're called to be wise. If we'll listen to God, if we'll obey God, if we'll let God be in control. It was a great day when I went to work with that song, There'll Be Peace in the Midst of the Storm. I had no clue. No clue. It was quite a shock. And you know, the only it didn't bother me to lose my job. Not at all. I really, I, I, I told the boss, I said, don't worry about me. I'm in the church. I'm called to preach. Everything will be fine. Well, that was Greek to her. She had no idea what I was talking about. And, uh, but God was with me all day. I was just happy witnessing to people. Picked up my check. Went home. And then it hit me. Oh, God. What's my pastor? I started, I was almost physically sick. <laughs> like, what am I going to tell Brother Dunn? What am I going to say? I remember feeling very small, knocking on that door. I about fell as big as Josh. You're knocking on that door. I told the family the other night, we were at the altar here praying, and one of the girls, for some reason, I don't know why, but she turned around and she looked at, at Josh, who was standing next to his mama, and when he saw her look at him, he scooted behind his mama. I mean, like lightning. <laughs> and he'd peek out, and he'd peek, and he'd peek out again. <laughs> well, I didn't have anybody to hide behind. I was just standing at that door knocking. All of a sudden, there's my pastor looming in the doorway. How do you deliver the news that you lost your job in a way that, you know, it'll be okay? doesn't work too well. But, you know, I had a wise pastor. And uh, he, uh, when I told him, I said, Brother Dunn, I, I said, I got fired today. I didn't know what else to do, just be honest about it. <laughs> I got fired today. And, uh, you know, the old me, I would have spun quite a, a tale. <laughs> But uh, this is the new me. I've got the Holy Ghost. And so I just told the truth. And uh, he, he immediately, his face lit up. He said, well, that's great. He said, now you can work on the building full time. Yeah, I can. <laughs> so, because, you know, I would come home from work. I'd get home at probably 4 o'clock, 4.35 in the afternoon time. We drove, and I'd catch an air sandwich, and, you know. Walk on down to the to the building, and, and I'd help work on the building. That's where we got the song. I preach and preach and preach and preach and work on the building too. And so that's what I did. Sometimes I'd spend the night and sleep there. But uh, God had His plan, and I had to learn to work with God's plan. And God said, "There'll be peace." of the storm. And there was. And for you to get saved, that is, for you to repent, get baptized in Jesus' name, and get filled with the Holy Ghost, is what's going to save you. It's going to save you from sin, save you from war, save you from storms, and all kind of such like things. And then, 
Now you've got to labor to stay saved. And that's why we have Romans to Revelation. Because the church went, the book of Acts, the church, there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts, the 28th chapter. Because the church continues on until Jesus comes. And the church was commissioned, sent forth into all the world to preach the gospel of peace to every living creature, everywhere. And when this gospel of peace has been preached as a witness to all nations, then shall the end come. So we're working on doing what the original church did, and that is we're going to go into all the world continue to go into all the world, even as the early church did. We being the latter church, we're at the end of the end of the last days. And in so doing, we're bringing the same message. But to bring the same message, we've got to stay saved. And that's Romans to Revelation, because as the church goes forth and the church establishes a new congregation, in a new field, a new city, a new town, whatever, then we're teaching them, and as we're teaching them, then we are also helping ourselves to stay saved, to stay delivered, to keep the flesh under subjection, to where we don't go chasing back after the things that we got saved from, we got delivered from, that we don't go heading back to the storm. The things that make for upheaval in our lives, that turn our lives upside down, brings all kinds of misery and mess in our hatred in our lives, confusion in our lives. We don't want that. We don't want to go back to what God saved us from. We want to persevere. We want to go forward. So we have this chore now. We're saved. We've got to stay saved. And we've got to save others. That's what we've got to do. Saving others is being about our Father's business. Luke 2.49. Be about my Father's business. God has a business. God has a business. We're in the business of saving souls. We're in the business of establishing new works. We're in the business of reaching people and pulling them out of the fire. We're in the business, as it is well documented in the Scriptures, that when, you're, when you go to places, you bring your peace. You bring peace to that house. You bring peace to that family. You bring peace to that person's life if they'll receive it if they'll receive it. Didn't it say about Rahab, how that she received the spies with peace? Now, the spies were those from the church that were going into the land to find out the lay of the land so they could break in and get a work going, do the work of God. That's the only kind of spy I want to be. 
meaning that we're casing out the land. We're looking over cities. We're looking at places we're feeling after. I was at, uh, at the wedding. I remember uh, there was a table. I tried to go to every table at the reception, and, and some people I didn't know, and I wanted to meet them. And there was one family sitting at a round table, and uh, they were uh, Spanish. And, of course, my Spanish was limited. Thankfully, their English was not limited. <laughs> so we got along pretty good. Wound up that they lived in LaBelle. And I told them, oh, you know, I pass through LaBelle every Tuesday just about, quite regularly. And uh, I said, you know, I always feel a tug in LaBelle for the Spanish people. And they said, yes, there's a lot of us there. And he said, I don't believe there's an apostolic church there. Well, that gets spoken to my shame, obviously. God help us. God help us. I have witnessed to people there, given tracts out there, and uh, everybody needs this truth. Everybody needs this message. We don't want to lose that pull and that tug on our hearts for the lost, for people that are in darkness, for people whose lives are in a storm. We want to remember what God did for us and how that He gave us. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God gave it to us. He gave us this truth. He gave us this truth. It's God's peace. It belongs to God. And God gives it to us. But the enemy... I'm trying to tell you, in conclusion, the enemy every day is looking to steal your peace. He wants to create upheaval. He wants bickering, quarreling, fighting, hatred. He wants to bring in doctrines of devils. He wants to bring all kinds of Words that people come up with. Philosophies, the Bible called it too. Things that come from this world. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do what he's going to do when the red horse, the seal was opened. The revelator was given the vision of the red horse. The red horse was him that came to take peace away. No more peace. No more peace. We're going to, you know what? Do you realize that Economics 101 is built around supply and demand? It's like banking is built around credit and debit. Supply and demand is your economics 101. If you have what people want, you should do pretty good in your business. The church, I'm trying to say to you, the church is going to do real good. The church isn't going down. 
The church is going up. The church, the body of Christ. We're going to be going in the right direction. We're going to be doing the right things. And to give you an example, biblically, Matthew 25 said that there were mixed in wise and foolish. The difference, they both had vessels, that's you. They both had the Word of God. What they didn't both have was the oil, which is the Holy Ghost. That's what made the wise wise. They got born again. They got baptized in Jesus' name, and they got the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what made them wise. I told you, you're called to be wise. You're not called to be dumb and dull and brutish and silly. You know, not at all. You're called to be wise. The church is wise. The church has the answers. And the church has the supply for the demand. The foolish came knocking. Oh, I told you. You can't wait. You cannot wait. You cannot afford to wait. Because the devil is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. And he'll slither right into your life, as I said. And he'll, he'll tell you, don't worry about it. Be young. I guess they've never been to the children's ward, have they? The children die too. People die at all different kinds of ages. Chronological age is no promise of anything. No promise of anything. Many. Didn't the Bible say to put on the whole armor of God so that you could withstand the wiles or the tricks of the devil. He loves to tell you, do your thing. Really, do his thing. Because, you know, one day, one day you'll come back. One day. It's like it's a light switch that you could just turn it on and off. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. I had a backslider tell me that. Almost flat out. A young lady, God raised her from the dead. Oh, yeah. She walked in, seen Sister Elnine's tongue hanging right out. Very grotesque to look at something like that. Wires all hooked up. Flat line. And you just do what you, as a church, know to do. 
your hands and be praying in the name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. I would tell you that's probably been 35 years ago. Hospital right down 95, I believe, around Sample Road. can't remember the name of the hospital anymore, but it's down there. Multiple stories. See it right from 95. And, uh, you know, I see the young woman my wife and I do from time to time. Very much alive by the grace of God and the power of God. I remember having a talk with her one time about coming back to church. And she said, when I said, you know, some of the characteristics to being backslidden, the fear that should be there and the you know the negative possibilities and she said you know she said you don't think like that it doesn't go that way no the devil don't want you to think those spiritual thoughts he doesn't want you to think those logical thoughts Spirits don't bring logic. They make things illogical. You can't reason with them. So quit trying. It's not going to work. You just make bad matters worse. You have to face up to the fact that you're just being stubborn. You're just being natural. You're just being carnal. That's not trusting in God. That's not believing in God. You think I go in there and say, hey, your tongue is hanging out of your mouth and you got wires hooked up to you and your brain's not working, your heart's not working. Gee, that's going to help. That's going to help. That's not going to work, and you know that's not going to work. Lazarus, come forth out of this. What are you doing all tied up? Oh, that ain't going to work. That's not going to work. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Come on. No. It amazes me. I don't know how God... Makes blind eyes work, but he does. I just believe it. That's my challenge. My challenge is to believe it. My challenge is to believe it. My challenge is to wake up what's inside. Isn't that what happens? Individuals say, I've got a friend coming. I don't have anything to give them. So they just come on and give me some bread. You've got it. I need it. It's fine to me. Appealing to the church. And the individual inside said, man, we're all in here. We shut all the doors. We locked all the windows. We're sleeping. That's the point. We want to wake up what's inside. We want to wake up that good Holy Ghost, that good power of God. The spiritual. You know, to be spiritually minded, the Bible says, is life and peace to be spiritually minded. We want to think like God thinks. How do we do that? You learn through the church. 
we learn through the church. And then we can do things God's way. And that works. That works. You can grow in grace and knowledge. You can get your understanding open, Luke 24, 45. Gave them a Bible study, and he was kind enough to open their understanding in giving them the Bible study. You know, that was nice of God to do that. Open our understanding. Help us to grasp what you're saying. Help us to put it into practice. Help us to believe in it. We're following peace and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. What, don't you think it odd that of all places, war would break out in heaven? But that's what your Bible teaches. Revelation 12, there was war in heaven. Seems like a strange and odd place. But then if you think about it and you learn, you read, and you, you know, you realize that it's the most logical place. The Bible teaches there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves, that means the angels, came to present themselves before God. And then all of a sudden, all those angels were like, he's here. Yep, he's here. And the Lord said, well, Satan, where have you been? Oh, boy. Yeah, he comes to bring war, church family. When that seal was opened and the red horse came out, he came to take peace. We don't want peace. Satan doesn't want peace. Do you hear me? He doesn't want worship. And where there's peace, there's worship. Oh, he doesn't want healing. He doesn't want the outpouring of God's Spirit. He doesn't want any of the good spiritual things of God going on. So he says, let me get the saints in war. Satan among the saints. Let me walk in and among them. Let me get them fussing and fighting and fuming and quarreling. Yeah. But you know what? If we're praying, we're reading the book, we're coming to church, we're asking and seeking God's help, then we're, we're going to get victory over that stuff again and again and again and again. We've got to keep that under subjection. That's why the devil hates, hates it when you're in subjection to leadership, to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. He hates it. What an example 
the man Christ Jesus was when he was taken in a moment of time to the top of the mountain and to the pinnacle of the temple. And in, in the other instance also, when Satan begins to tell him different things, oh, he was smooth. As a way of twisting those words, he has a way of misapplying things. But the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, he kept answering, I'll put it in a way you like it. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. It's called resisting the devil until Satan left. You had to get out of there. There's too much word. There's just too much subjection. The man Christ Jesus was going to do it according to the word. He was in subjection to the word. Think about that. There were things that he was appointed unto. One of them was the death of the cross. And there was sure was plenty of other things leading up to that, wasn't there? You know, the Bible did talk about and use the word affliction, tribulation, whereunto we were, the apostle said, appointed. So there's going to be some storms. Even after you're saved, even after you're born again, after you have repented, after you have been baptized in water, in the name of Jesus Christ. Is that a thumbs up? After that, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you got to stay saved. That storm's going to make its way back around. It's going to show back up. It's going to try to disturb your great calm. find out what you're made of. And tempting the man Christ Jesus, he ran right smack dab into a foundation that he could not shake. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Nothing like good old solid chapter and verse. Amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians that God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. Let him bring peace to your heart and let him 
help you to follow after the things that make for peace in your life continually, continually, continually. The preacher that I know of, he's dead now, but he and his wife and five children, bing, 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 bing. They had five men that lied against them in their church. And it was sitting on them and weighing them down. They took a couple of days off and they were walking along a lonely shore. And they, the dad said, each of you get a stone. Pick one up. And so they did. And then they went and they digged a hole. And they each dropped their stone in the hole and they covered it up. And they prayed. Just decided that was the best way to handle it. Leave it to God. And let the peace of God. The Bible said rule. I just want to give it to you, God. You rule. It's like that knock at the door. Oh, Jesus, it's for you. Answer that, please. You know, the Lord knows how to, as dear old Sister Karen said, Knows how to run his business. Yes, he does. I like the one that said, I've got that. Signed, God. I like that one too. He's going to take care of his business. Those five men, four of them did not repent, and they died. One man repented, and he lived. He admitted he lied. He repented of it. And he lived. Four of them clung stubbornly to their lie. And they died. I got news for you. It's not the dying part that's so bad. It's that next moment. lifting up your eyes in the place that said, where the preacher said, shut it off! Don't want to look at it. Can't look at it anymore. And you wake up there. And your tongue is parched. And there's no way out. And there never will be. And you can't even remember what the fuss was all about anyway. What, what did anything really matter? The only thing that mattered, it's been said, is living for him and what we do for him. That's all that's going to matter. In that day, in that hour, at that moment, that's all that's going to matter. Shall we stand? Let the peace of God, church family, let it rule in your heart.
Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Amen and amen and amen. Well, we love you and we appreciate you. And our music team is coming, and while they're coming, everybody said, Sal, come on up here. <laughs> Creature of habit I am. Praise the Lord. God bless the offering. God bless, God bless the offering. offering.